covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as the Brewers, for the most part, continue to play pretty solid baseball. They had a losing streak this past week that they were able to bounce out of with a couple wins against Colorado to wrap up that series, and they continue to sit as a first-place team. In fact, over the last month or so, uh, you can argue nobody's playing better baseball than the Brewers. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. First off, we'll take care of our uh, normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at MattPaulyOnAir, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do uh, listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can subscribe and also leave a ranking and review, that would be great as more and more people are able to find the podcast that way. Brewers uh, had lost all three games against the Reds, so they were on a three-game losing streak, and then they went in to Colorado and ended up losing the first two games of that series. So that extended their losing streak to five games, and then they were able to get dramatic wins, late wins against the Rockies in games three and four of the series and able to split that series. And coming up this week, they'll play three at Arizona. They'll have Thursday off, and then they'll uh, come back home for a weekend series against Colorado, which includes reopening day coming up on Friday afternoon. The Brewers, since May 22nd, and we're recording this on Sunday night, the Brewers, since May 22nd, have a record of 19-9. and That is best in Major League Baseball. They are sitting uh, just in front of some other teams, mainly teams uh, from the western part of the country. The Angels and Oakland and San Francisco have all played uh, really good baseball as well since May 22nd. But in that time, the Brewers do have the best record in all of Major League Baseball, and that includes going on a a five-game losing streak. So what that tells you is just how well they've been playing during the rest of that period of time. And... I, when when the team is losing games, I, I understand why people get startled. And, and in no way, shape, or form am I going to tell you that this is a perfect club and there are still some things on this team that I would like to see them get better at. But I do think at times in a 162-game season, it's there's a little bit of overreaction when they lose a few games in a row. And it's good to take that step back and look what they've been doing over a longer period of time. Now, here's what's to be startled about. Um, From an offensive standpoint, they can go into periods where they just don't score runs. And you look at that five-game losing streak. Over those five games, they scored two, one, one, three, and then five runs, respectively. And those last two games, the three and the five runs, were games that were played at Coors Field where obviously run scoring is going to go up a little bit. Uh, That series against Cincinnati, they scored a total of four runs in three games. That's not enough. And they continue to look for better production from the corner infield spots. It is getting better. A little bit better. Daniel Vogelback in the month of June is a 246 hitter with four home runs, seven RBIs. His OPS is 854. He's not going to the All-Star game on that, but it's not it's not nothing. And he's come up with some big hits. He always has good at bat, seemingly. Uh, Luis Arias is doing a nice job over at third base. Uh, and now that Colton Wong is back, you're able to play Arias at third more. I think most people would agree that you would like to see him more in that utility kind of role. But 
Right now, they need him to be the third baseman, and he's going to be the third baseman. So they're getting some production, but not as much production as you would like. The corner infield spots continue to be a place where they're not getting a ton. I, I, uh, Colton Wong being back is a big deal. What Willie Adamas has done, Christian Yelich continues to uh, kind of slowly round back into form. He's getting on base a lot. Uh, the Rockies obviously want nothing to do with him. He was able to, to draw some walks. Avisa Garcia's having a nice season. You, you really want a whole lot more from Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field. You're just not getting much offensively from him. Omar Narvaez is doing a nice job. Quite honestly, I think from an offensive standpoint, there's reason to be more optimistic now than there was before. And I've said this before, and I'll say this probably for the rest of the year. When, when we're talking about the team batting average, we're generally, at least from my perspective, when you hear me talk about the team batting average, it's, it's going to be a negative thing because it's going to be more connected to they're not hitting, so they're not scoring runs. When they are scoring runs, they may not be hitting. And... What I mean by that is when they were scoring, their, their, their team batting average didn't jump all that much when they were in that really good run and scoring a lot more runs. Uh, it's, it's not always about getting more hits. It's about collecting hits at the right moment. And sometimes when you hit home runs, that would count. You know, if you can just get runners aboard somehow and then hit home runs, uh, doing the small things. I thought uh, the approach at the plate and occasionally you know, moving runners over, things like that, the team has done a better job at. So it's it's not so much about climbing and, and lifting and building up that team batting average. It's probably not going to be good when the season gets over because they've put themselves in so much of a hole. And I don't even know, like even if we say, okay, from June 1st on, the team is hitting this this you know this is their team batting average from that moment on. I would guess, I would suspect it's going to be better than what it has been. But even that, it might not be great. I'm just not convinced that this is going to be a team that's really going to hit for average. And if you're able to still score runs without hitting for average, I know there's people who are listening to this going, well, that's just crazy. You score runs by hitting. Yeah, generally, but not, not 100% of the time, not always. Uh, when they were winning a lot of games, they were hitting a lot of home runs. And... That's probably what they need to do. And they've got guys who can hit home runs. They play in a ballpark that gives up home runs. They're getting into the time of the year where the ballpark becomes that much more offensive when the roof is open and the panels are open and it's hot outside and all those sort of things. Uh, the, all of a sudden, the ball should fly that much more. So I'm, I'm optimistic about this team scoring more runs at them being closer to the version of the team that – Really went on that fantastic run. Really from May seventh to uh, to June, or excuse me, from May twenty seventh, I should say, to uh, June thirteenth. During that time period, they only lost what twice? Is that right? Yeah. So, and they were scoring five, six, seven runs a bunch of those games, and. I think they can be that team, and they don't need a ton of hits to be able to do that. But they do need to hit home runs. Pitching continues to be pretty solid. I just. I don't evaluate very well what, what happened in Colorado. I have a hard time saying, oh, let's be worried. This guy did not pitch well there. It's just it's Colorado, and weird things happen, and some guys are really suited to pitch at Colorado, but for other guys who rely more on pitches that have a lot of breaking movement, there's just the, the pitches don't do what they're supposed to do at altitude. So when we're evaluating pitchers, this is a this is a really tough time to be doing a podcast because the Brewers just got done with four games where, for me, I, I don't take anything away from the pitching, really even 
from a positive standpoint or a negative standpoint. You know, I'm not worried that Brandon Woodruff gave up five runs and five innings in the opener. I'm not worried that Corbin Burns gave up four runs and five and a third innings in the uh, in, in the second game. Yeah, you know, that's just the, that does not that does not worry me. Now, if they continue to give up numbers like that or give up you know give up have production like that against them, then then you maybe start to get a little bit worried. But it's just a different game. It's when when you're playing in Colorado, it's it the game is just different. And I, I experienced it. I worked six years. As a AAA broadcaster, when I was in Colorado Springs, the last year was the first year uh, with the Brewers, and I can just tell you, it, the, the game is just different. And thankfully, the Brewers are not in that division. I don't, I don't know what you do. I, that's, if you're the Dodgers, if you're if you're the Padres, if you're the Giants, you got to play there a lot. That that takes something out of you. I, I if you're if you're any other team, you should be very very thankful. That you only have to go into Colorado once a year, because it just the game is different. The game is different. All right, I feel like I just rambled on for for a few moments. Uh, our featured guest this week, Kyle Lobner. Always enjoy being able to talk to him. So let's get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast a guy who uh, covers the Brewers, writing for uh, the Shepherd Express and Milwaukee Record, also uh, contributes to uh, com- uh, coverage of the Timber Rattlers on the Timber Rattlers uh, website. He is Kyle Loebner. You can follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLoebner, L-O-B-N-E-R. Kyle, it's always great to get you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, Matt. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Uh, I, I certainly, uh, certainly appreciate that. Always fun. And there's, you speak. Uh, there's always something special about these days. You know, even the the game notes are written in blue, like on Mother's Day. They're written in pink. And uh, obviously, the Major League Baseball has done a nice job uh, being able to raise money for on Mother's Day. It's for breast cancer, the prostate cancer is the uh, is the focus on on Father's Day. But it always seems like I don't know about you. I always get a kick out of. Uh, the different stories, like today on the TV broadcast, uh, Eric Lauer showed a dog tag that he was wearing that has father's um, a fingerprint on it. Uh, Brett Anderson talked about his dad, who's the pitching coach at Tennessee, and just keeping an eye on what they're going to be going uh, through uh, at the College World Series. It- it's days like these that you get some really kind of cool stories. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I-, I think, you know, one of the fun parts of my work with the Timber Rattlers, but also, you know, with the- some of the work that I've done covering guys at the major league level, is that you really get to see, you know, kind of some of the, the, the human element of it. Um, it. It's not just these guys who go out on the field and play baseball and they do this well or they don't do that well. You, you get to see some of the background for it. and You get to, to understand who some of these people are as people and, you know, develop the relationship that causes you to root for them long after they've moved on. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, a lot of it stays like today, uh, where you learn things that we maybe otherwise wouldn't have known about some of these guys. Um, or you, you get to understand some of their motivations or some of their backgrounds. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely cool to get an opportunity to tell some of these stories. I thought the, the broadcast they did a really nice job. The Brewers were able to win on Sunday as they split the four-game series with Colorado. They had been doing... They'd been winning a ton of games, and they hit the Cincinnati series. They hit a Cincinnati team that's playing some good baseball. They end up getting swept in that series. They lose the first two games against Colorado, but then they bounce back. I don't know about you, and I, I say this having worked 
six years covering baseball in, in, in the state of Colorado. The game is played differently, and if – if they're not coming off that three-game series sweep against the Reds, when they lose the first two games, especially in the fashion that they lose the first two games, I'm sitting there going, well, it's just it's Colorado. You just got to get these games done with. Once you play these four games, you get out of Colorado and you never have to go back there for the rest of the year. But it, to me, it just kind of those two games in, against Colorado to start the series kind of happened at a bad time because they were coming off a three-game series sweep against the Reds. Do you agree? Yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. And I think, you know, going to Colorado right now is kind of a a lose-lose situation because if you go to Colorado and you play well there, um, then you have to deal with the fact that this is a Colorado franchise that's just not in the best of straits right now. Um, That This is one of the franchises that's really struggling across baseball. So if you go there and you play well and you win, people nod and say, well, yeah, you, you should win. You're playing against a franchise that's really in dire straits at the moment. Um, but when you go there and you lose, uh, as the, the Brewers said the first couple nights, uh, you get a little bit of the heat for that, for going on the road and, and for losing to a struggling team, um, despite the fact that it is yeah, an extremely difficult environment for a variety of reasons, whether it's the altitude or the enormous outfield, um, some of the, the home field advantage elements that the Rockies have. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Brewers came up you know, a, a little short the first couple nights there. Um, they continued what had been kind of a, a long storyline that the offense was struggling uh, this week, uh, coming off of the Red Series. And so, yeah, I, I think some of the, the frustration that had to be around by the end of the day on Friday, uh, certainly with a carryover from the Red Series, uh, but going to Denver and having a couple of rough games to start that series certainly didn't help. Yeah, and you're right in everything you say, and then you you add into the fact that the Rockies are a horrible team with a respectable home record. It's really not that I'm just I'm I'm so interested in this Rockies team when I look at their home road splits because they're they're doing this like pitch to contact thing which is working for their home games, but that's not really the way baseball's played right now. So when they go on the road, it, it doesn't work. It's just yeah, you know, they're again having lived in Colorado, one of the common questions was can the Rockies ever win consistently playing half their games at altitude? And that question still hasn't been answered, and a lot of the reason it hasn't been answered is because of some of the decision makers that have been there probably have not given them the best chance to do just that to put together a consistent winner. But it's still, it's it, any time an opponent goes in there for their one series a year, you just have to kind of take a look at what's going on with that organization and the challenges that go along with it. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, the Rockies are in a a period of turnover right now. Um, And and if the next general manager that comes in there or the next leadership team that comes into that organization is able to turn it around and have some success in Colorado, they're going to have quite the story. You know, there there may be a movie about them at some point. There almost certainly will be a book about them. Uh, Because the volume of challenges that that organization faces between, you know, a, a bizarre playing environment um, an ownership group that hasn't always um, been super helpful in building a winning team in that environment, um, some of the relationships they've had with their stars. This is an organization that faces a real challenge right now on just about every front. Um, and so, you know, whoever comes in next there is certainly going to get an opportunity to build from the ground up. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of room for this organization to continue to fall. Uh, but it might be a while. Uh, before we see another really good Rockies team. Um, and, you know, some of that is due to, you know, factors outside of any general manager's control. Uh, and so, 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's an unenviable position uh, to be in, and I think um, whoever gets that job for you know for their next opportunity is really going to have to come in kind of eyes wide open about that. Since May twenty second, the Brewers are nineteen and nine. That is the best record in all of Major League Baseball. Most of that has been against. Not so good teams, teams with below 500 records. But the, as the cliche goes, you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. So uh, another cliche is, yeah, it's never as good as it is at its best. It's never as bad as it is at its worst. So right now, pretty good for the Brewers, even with the the five straight games that they lost between uh, the Cincinnati series and the first two games against Colorado. They still have the best record in Major League Baseball since May twenty second. As you evaluate the team. How legitimate is that? How good are they, or how much is that uh, connected maybe to who they've been playing? Well, I think, you know, when you look back, and I wrote about this for Shepard Express last week, uh, when you look back at the 2011 team and the, well, actually the 2008 team also, uh, there's a couple of teams there that really, um, they kind of treaded water against the elite teams in the game throughout that season. But they got to the postseason based on being really good against a small handful of bad teams. Um, and so, you know, that is a formula that has been demonstrated to work to get to the postseason. You can win a lot of games that way um, if you are okay against most of baseball but really make hay against the teams that are struggling. Um, and so the Brewers right now are in the middle of a long stretch where they get a lot of opportunities to do that, um, where they face a lot of kind of the, the bottom third of teams across the sport. Uh, now, you still have to, you know, it still takes some effort to go out there and win games against those teams, and the, the Brewers saw that this week when they struggled a couple times against some teams that they should be. Um, but with that said, um, yeah, it is a, it's a thing you have to do if you're going to be a contending team, that, that you go out there um, on the days when you face teams that aren't on your level um, and really close them out early um, and really take that opportunity to kind of build a cushion in your division. We're, we're just going to roll through all the cliches that we possibly can here. Uh, another one is that you, know, you, you can't win the division in June, but you can certainly lose it. Uh, how, but that being said, how important is this period where I, I know Cincinnati's above 500 now, or at least I, actually I don't know if they are after the Padres series, but they had gotten above 500. I'm not sure what the record is right off the top of my head. But the, that being said, when this, when this stretch of games got started, when they opened up that Washington series, it was a month straight against teams with below 500 records as of that moment. How important is this month? How much are we going to look back at this month of the season uh, when the Brewer season comes to an end and the numbers they're able to put up uh, during this time period? Well, I think, you know, all of these wins count at the end of the season. And so certainly, you know, we're not going to look at, at June in the same lens that we look at September um, just because of the you know, kind of the context of what is going on. But for this Brewer team, I think it's especially important that they make hay while they can, because when you take a look at the way they finished this season, um, the fact that they're playing a bunch of kind of weak teams right now, that comes back to bite them in the, the closing month of the season, when they have a whole bunch of series against teams that are either going to be or should be within playoff reach, um, teams that are going to be fighting for their lives on the stretch, teams that are going to be vying for playoff position. You know, when you look at right now, starting on September 17th, the Brewers' final series of the season, they play the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Mets, the Cardinals again, and the Dodgers. Um, you know, if they go into those final few weeks of the season needing to make up ground, they're going to be in trouble. 
because they're going to be playing really good teams every day for the last three weeks of the season. And so it would be really hard to reel off like a 19-2 and finish like they've done in the past um, and put themselves in position. So any cushion they can build right now and any cushion they can build in these weeks ahead as they face some teams that aren't contending um, will certainly be a very big deal um, as they come up to those final few weeks of the season and really need to probably fight for a playoff position. They are still not getting the production that they want from the corner infield spots. I think Daniel Vogelback, I've had a few tweets out this. I feel like I've become the the uh, the designated defender of Daniel Vogelback because his numbers aren't great, but if you if you look at his numbers in the month of June, like it's it's not a problem. You'd like to get more out of first base, but at the same time, that's not a problem. Uh, Luis Arias has been playing better at third, but it feels like his role would be best if he's that utility guy. It's to me, it is remarkable. There was a game, I, I've said this a few times for people who listen to the podcast, they know exactly where I'm going. There was a game maybe two, three weeks ago where the Brewers had the first and third base uh, positions in the seven and eight holes in the lineup. Like it, that, That's just not what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be getting a lot more production out of those two spots, and it's a little bit better recently, but it's not great. Are you, are you impressed that they continue to win games when they don't get that production? Am I making too big of a deal of it? What's, what's your takeaway when the team is not getting the production they would like from first and third? Well, I think, if anything, um, you know, in a roundabout way, it is a little bit encouraging that, they're, that the spot where they're weak is a spot that is a traditional position of strength because that implies that there should be an upgrade available. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's much easier to go out and find um, a pretty good first baseman or a pretty good third baseman than it would be if you needed an upgrade, for example, at the catcher position or at center field or, you know, one of the, the more premium defensive positions. Um, now, the Brewers came into the season kind of with a, a collection of guys they intended to mix and match um, at some of these spots, and some of those things have worked out better than others. Um, but... I think they would still tell you that they are um, relatively optimistic about what Daniel Vogelbach can do day in and day out, um, that he's having good at-bats for the most part. He is being relatively patient at the plate. Um, I wrote about that a couple weeks ago. Um, And so, you know, there's kind of a a mix and match of reasons for optimism here. But at the end of the day, I, I think the biggest thing is that if they do decide they need to make a change at those positions, those are easier spots to fill um, than it would be if they were looking at some others. Yeah, and... Uh, with Colton Wong back, it also feels like that the roster depth gets kind of back to where it needs to be at a bare minimum. When when Wong was on the injured list, was Urias going to play at second or was he going to play at third? And that meant somebody else was going to be in the infield. At the very least, it feels like with Wong back, you can really put Urias at, at third. And, and at the very least, every day, you can put together a lineup with some guys who have been able to produce for you at some point, maybe with the exception uh, of Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field as the Brewers are still waiting for him to get going. And there's been some signs, there have been some some glimpses maybe here recently that he's starting to come out of it. Uh, but from a it's funny to say this about a team that's got a, a batting average as a team right around 210, but really when that base lineup is in there, I guess you would go Vogel back at first, Wong at second, Adamas as your shortstop, Arias at third, uh, Nervaez catching, and then an outfield group that has Bradley, Garcia, and Yelich. Uh, you can make the case that the only guy that you're really worried about that just can't that, that hasn't really produced is Bradley. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, you know, 
the, the biggest challenge in trying to evaluate this group is just what you take into account. Because if you had said back in April that this was going to be the lineup that we were going to see most days, I think folks would have been relatively optimistic about that. Um, and, and there are some guys in here who have underperformed. There are some guys in here who have taken longer than you would expect to get back on track. Um, and so now when you try to evaluate what's left, what do you take? Do you take their performance from the last few months? Uh, where a guy like Bradley has really struggled, or do you take their larger body of work of their career, which suggests that a guy like Bradley could maybe still help you. Yeah. Um, and I don't know which one the right answer is for that. Certainly the, the Brewers have been patient with Bradley. Um, there have been times where they've needed him probably more often than they anticipated that they would. Um, and there have been times where they haven't been able to give him a break that maybe he could have used when he was struggling. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to start making decisions on some of these guys pretty soon because with the, the trade deadline coming up, they're going to have to figure out if this is the group they're going to bet on for the stretch run or if this is a group where they can find some improvement. Going into the season, we thought that the trade deadline this year could be a very more busy than other years simply because there were still going to be a number of teams that were going to try to sell off. That you know Nobody wanted to spend money. That was, the, that was the narrative going in. Things are a little bit better. Teams opening up. The Brewers are going to be at full capacity when they, when they come back. But there are still some rumblings out there that the teams, if they, there's teams out there that if they get the opportunity to shed payroll, they, they will take that opportunity. Do you, think, do you think the climate has changed enough that maybe it won't be as active as people were expecting, though? Well, I think, um, you know, teams trying to shed payroll maybe won't be as severe as we would have expected. That narrative seems to have died down at least a little bit. Um, at, at a bare minimum, it seems like owners are maybe doing a better job of not letting that be the story around the game yeah. uh, the way it was at times over the winter. Um, but the challenge that we're going to have, or at least the, the possibility that we're going to have, is that there are a fair number of teams um, including some that came into the season thinking they might be relatively good, who are very clearly dead and buried in the playoff race. Um, and so when you look at, for example, um, the Diamondbacks and Orioles, who are both on record-breaking streaks of their own for road-losing streaks right now, you know those are teams that could look to dump a lot. And then when you take a team like the Twins, um, who came into the season as a, a potential contender, um, and have really fallen off the face of the earth. They have some pieces that might be able to help people. And so I suspect that it might be a little bit of a buyer's market um, because some of these teams, you know, even with the extra wild card spot, there are teams that are very clearly out of it. Um, and so I think there's going to be an opportunity out there for people to add. Um, the biggest story in baseball has been baseball trying to get rid of foreign substances and. I don't know what to expect here, and I just I don't know if any of us are we're we're getting the the weird thing about it happening this year is things were already going to kind of get weird as the year went along, coming from the sixty game to the one hundred and sixty two game season. Clearly, it's making a difference. Clearly, spin rates are changing across baseball. I'm not trying to dismiss that there is an impact. But at the same time, I do feel like as the year goes along, people might see some things and completely attribute it to the uh, to foreign substances where there's going to be other things going on. I, I, I'm disappointed in Major League Baseball that 
there's just this blanket policy and they're not listening to the players where there's obviously some stuff that is being used and that you, you go over the line why it's being used, but there's other things that's truly being used uh, just for, for grip. I don't even know what I'm asking you here because there's so much going on and we could go we could do an entire podcast on this and I don't even know if doing an entire podcast we get any further along, you know, kind of pushing this, but it's just man, this is this is a really weird thing right now, and I just feel like everybody's going to have these these big grandiose statements about you know what's going on, and I don't know if we're really going to know the true impact of this enforcement uh, until maybe th- end of year next year or even the year after. Yeah, it's uh you know Major League Baseball. We just talked about it on the the last question with the story about kind of the economics becoming the story of baseball for us. Uh, Major League Baseball has not been great at controlling their narrative um, uh, around what the, the big stories around the game are, and now it's that they're you know, effectively changing enforcement on a rule in the middle of a season, um, and that's going to lead to all kinds of weird inconsistency, um, where you see you know maybe this guy gets caught right away, but this guy doesn't get caught for a little while, or now every time you see a pitcher who struggles for a few starts, we're going to wonder um, you know if it was just because he stopped using whatever he was using before, or is it an overreaction to something? Um, and so, yeah, this is not great uh, for the integrity of the sport, that we're going to have kind of this artificial question that hangs over the game for a while in the middle of a season. Um, and I feel like if, if they felt like there was something here, that something that they needed to address, the time to do it was either before this season or after this season, I'm trying to do it in the middle of June. Um, you know, there are some great stories around the game right now that I wish we were spending more time talking about. I'd, I'd love to spend more time talking about Shohei Otani, who is having a, a unique season in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a young star movement in the, the game right now with guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Jr. who are coming up and having, you know, great seasons. Um, and baseball should be promoting that everywhere they can find it. And instead, when you talk about the game, especially in a, a national marketplace or especially in, you know, kind of mainstream media, what we're talking about is spider tack. Um, yeah. And everybody's suddenly learning what that is. That's not great for the game. Um, and, and I feel like it's really, even if it was a problem that needed to be addressed, addressing it in this way created a real PR problem for the sport. Before we get you out of here, I want to talk a little Timber Rattlers. You're real involved uh, with the club and, uh, first off, this year the uh, the the advancement. It's a high A club, not a low A club. What's uh, what have you noticed in just the difference of maybe the level of ball being played or the prospects that are there? Just anything, just the difference between being a low A team and a high A team. Yeah, I think you know we're still a little early to make any kind of blanket statements about how high A baseball is different from low A baseball, but I think we've seen reason to suggest. Um, that we're seeing guys who are perhaps just a little more mature, uh, which is a thing you would expect. Um, we're seeing fewer players who are playing full-season baseball for the first time. Um, and so we're seeing guys who I think understand their roles a little more, guys who understand their game a little better. Um, and it's still, um, it's still been a challenge for some guys, and there still are guys on this team, um, you know, First time or Timber Rattlers who are playing their first full pro season because of the way last year worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been fun to watch and to, to see it day to day. The Timber Rattlers are coming home again on Tuesday. I'm excited to be back at the ballpark now. Four of the next six weeks, uh, they will be home. 
Um, and I'm getting ready to write a story. In fact, it'll be up tomorrow, uh, sometime on Monday, about David Hamilton, uh, one of the elite base stealers in all of minor league baseball, and a guy who's getting overshadowed a little bit as a prospect on a team with Garrett Mitchell and Corey Howell. Um, this is the fastest Timber Rattlers team we've ever seen uh, by a wide margin, and that's creating some really interesting nights at the ballpark, and it's been a lot of fun to watch um, because just about any time somebody's on base, they're a threat to steal. Um, the rules have changed at the high level this year to make it a little easier to steal, but this is the fastest group we've ever seen um, by quite some margin. And so, you know, it's been um, there's been some growing pains at times, um, but the games have been really exciting, and they've been, you know, really back and forth. From just a COVID protocol standpoint and capacity and just people feeling comfortable, like what? how nice has it been to be at the ballpark and, and, and people being there, that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, I, I really missed my, my favorite desk, uh, as I call it, the, the, my spot in the press box at the ballpark. Um, it's been great to see fans coming back out and seeing games again. The Timber Rattlers are back up to pretty close to full capacity. Um, and so there are big crowds there. Um, they've got their fireworks night coming up this weekend, which will draw a bunch of folks as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's one step closer to being back to normal. Uh, we waited a long time for that, and I've been really excited to see it. So give a, you just mentioned your feature coming up uh, with the Timber Rattlers website. Uh, give a plug for everything else you've got going on, because you've got your hands in, in a few different places. Yeah, you can find me every Monday at shepherdexpress.com producing the On Deck Circle. Um, I'm actually working on this. Um, I took a break from working on it to talk tonight. I'm working on one about Willie Adamas, some of the differences that he has made um, over his first few weeks with the Brewers. You can also find me at timberrattlers.com producing the feature that we used to call Frosty Microbrews. We now call T-Rats Talk. Um, this week will be on David Hamilton, as we talked about before. Um, this year, for the first time, they also have a video element to them. So you can come and you can check out the story and you can get to know the player a little bit, um, in addition to the story that I'm working on. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun as well. And you can always follow me on Twitter at ByKyleLoker for links to things and everything else that I'm working on. All right, Kyle, great stuff as always. Appreciate you taking uh, some time, and uh, we'll get you back on the podcast uh, very, very soon. All right, sounds good. Take care. That's Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Here's what's coming up this week for the Brewers. Uh, a bit of a schedule change, by the way. If you've got like an original schedule of some sort, uh, what's going to be going on this week is a little bit different than the original plan. So uh, first off, for the next three days, recording this Sunday night, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Brewers are going to be uh, in Arizona, set to take on the Diamondbacks. That will wrap up the their road trip and then they will have Thursday off. Friday is a big day. It is reopening day at American Family Field as the Brewers are going to uh, welcome in the Rockies and also welcome in 100% capacity. That's a really big moment uh, for everybody and, and we've talked so much during the last year plus about trying to find some level of normalcy. Well, 100% capacity at the ballpark, that absolutely is some level of normalcy and that is going to start on Friday. That game has been pushed up to a 3-10 start, so uh, if you've got uh, tickets or if you've got uh, a schedule that says, I think it was originally a 7-10 game, it's not 7-10, it's 3-10. They'll also play on 3-10, at 3-10 on that uh, Saturday, and then a 1-10 game coming up on Sunday. A reminder for you, 
the Bucks. They are into the Eastern Conference Finals, which is awesome. If there is a Brewers-Bucks conflict, meaning the two teams are playing at the same time, you can hear the Brewers on uh, WTMJ sister station, 94.5 ESPN. Uh, that's where you go to, uh, to hear the Brewers. And uh, if you're streaming the games and you uh, stream them on the WTMJ app or at WTMJ.com and you are in the uh, Milwaukee five-county area, you can still stream the Brewers games at WTMJ.com on the WTMJ stream, but the actual game broadcast can be heard on 94.5 ESPN. And then uh, you can uh, stream as well, Brewers Extra Innings, that's uh, on the 94.5 ESPN stream. Uh, so that will pop up. So if you are streaming the Brewers game and then you want to stream the post-game show, I guess it's a little bit clunky, but you would have to stop streaming the WTMJ uh, mobile thing and then uh, jump on over to the 94.5 ESPN stream. So, uh, But you know what? It's a, it's a good problem to have. Bucks playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, Brewers doing their thing. We'll, we'll take it. It's a good time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. All right, uh, thank you to Kyle Loebner, my guest this week. Thank you to you for being tuned in, and we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.